This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. is the faults of the Democrats and also a reasonable cause for a civil war, that's absurd. And it, it just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't, and also there's no evidence of it. I mean, he was indicted in, in, in Manhattan, as Peter said. There was no civil war, right? People didn't rise up in the streets of New York City and burn down New York City. He was indicted in Florida. He was arraigned in Miami. Again, the, the picture looked pretty peaceful. I mean, there were a few people out there with like funny signs and funny hats, but there was no civil war. So there's no evidence that he can do it again necessarily. But how much should we worry that because he did do it on January 6th, 2021, that he could somehow make that happen again? Well, I think the issue is that people like Peter Navarro and others are still out there trying to radicalize Americans, right? That's the point of this whole thing. And I almost feel like it's projection. It's we, we the willingness and wanting it to happen, right? right? That's the issue is that they want to see this happen in the United States. They kind of sort of thrive on it and it backs their narrative. And it's also a way to kind of like express intimidation towards Americans and say, you know, it, given what's going on, the rule of law is prevailing right now and we're in some serious trouble, but we want to push these narratives to create fear, fear in communities, right? And speaking of the law and order narrative, that's what they did. That's what they did in the summer of 2020. I was there for that. They were pushing that sort of law and order, fear in suburban things. That is classic Trump and Peter Navarro. And look, Peter Navarro, I just want to Hey, Peter K. Navarro in for the Admiral Stephen K. Bannon. Got a really uh, packed show for you today. Uh, we usually, we do like four blocks, A, B, C, and D, right? The, the A block, what I'm going to do is deconstruct this discussion I think this country needs to have about what could be a, a civil war. Um, and in the B block, um, I want to effectively write the obituary for Mike Pence's uh, presidential campaign. Um, in the C block, I, I want, I'm going to turn to, I think, what's a really interesting situation, and we want to do it delicately um, and with respect, but this whole um, incident that we had with LeBron James's son um, suffering cardiac arrest unexpectedly this week, um, has raised new questions uh, about the vaccine. Now, I'm not saying that that caused it, but it does raise some interesting questions that I think we need to go through um, in a careful way. And then the last block, um, we'll do uh, uh, the uh, economy and market wrap, which, which I do every, uh, every Friday um, in my Substack. So, so to set the stage here, what I'm going to do is, if we can get the teleprompter worked up here, what I'm going to do, I did this in one of the other shows, and it was, it was um, at least semi-popular with the audience. Um, what I'm going to do is, is read verbatim uh, a 
an article that, uh, that was published first in my substack at peternavar.substack.com and then appeared this week uh, in, the, in the great Washington Times, which I urge every one of you to sub subscribe to. It, the, the article uh, was one of the most heavily trafficked on the site, and I think for good reason, uh, timing's sort of everything in this world, and the fact that it came out the same week that uh, President Trump was uh, indicted yet again for uh, non-crimes against no one, uh, I think um, underscores the problem we're having. And you saw from uh, the left commentators leading off in the cold open to this segment that, that they're dismissing any notion of a civil war. They, they, there was this comment about the rule of law prevailing, <laughs> when in fact, you and I and everybody else in MAGA and Posse land know that in a dual system of injustice, where there's one set of rules for MAGA and Trump and soccer moms at school board meetings versus the Hunter Bidens and the Russia hoax perpetrators, when you live in that world, uh, the rule of law uh, is certainly not prevailing. So, so let me work you through this article. Again, it, uh, it appears um, in the Washington Times. I urge you to, to check it out there. Um, and let me start with the title. And it kind of, it, the, the way these op-eds work, uh, they're, they're like 700 to 800 word haikus. They're, they're to policy wonks like me uh, as hak hakus are to poets, right? They're, they're, they're very um, spare, hitting to the point. And what I can do kind of deconstructing this is, is give you some of the, the thought process, strategy, and other things that go into it. So you start with the title. Um, I decided to call it End Democrats Starting a Second Civil War Before It Begins. So right there... In the title, uh, I raise, I think, the legitimate specter of a second civil war uh, and, and clearly blame the Democrats for doing this. And I'm very careful here uh, to make sure I'm not instigating such a civil war because what I really want to do and the purpose of the article is to stop this civil war before it begins. And the, the article is going to explain kind of, I think, the two motivating forces the Democrats are pushing um, at, at not just at MAGA and the Trump Republicans, but also, I think, at, at, at middle America, kind of the old Nixonian concept of the middle America. So here's how the lead paragraph starts off. And uh, it says, and this is a purely factual matter, here we go, roughly half of Republicans and over one-third of Democrats believe our country is on the brink of civil war. If such an unthinkable war breaks out, it will be the Democrats' fault. Okay, so we'll stop there, and let me, let me break that down for you. So, um, in the hysteria that followed the publication of this article, uh, the narrative from the left was somehow uh, this civil war uh, that I'm alleging was somehow a, 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 a product or kind of a right-wing fantasy product that, that we were trying to perpetrate, when in fact all I did was go to Mr. Google, Mr. DuckDuckGo, and find essentially 
some reputable polls uh, and see what they had to say about this. And and yes, it's really interesting that half of this half of this country registered as Republicans think that another civil war is possible, and even a third of Democrats think the same thing. So the point of that paragraph is is to make it very clear that this is not a MAGA nightmare. Right? This is this is what people are thinking. So the question is why? Okay, so let me read on here. Here's the next little sentence. In their quest for power, radical elements within the Democratic Party have abandoned any pretense of fairness, tolerance, and justice in their woke new world. A little reference there, you know, the brave new world, right? Democrat strategists use unscrupulous tactics to skew our election system, even as weaponized bureaucracies like the Department of Justice, FBI, and National Archives, now under Democrat control, seek to destroy the Republican Party and its de facto leader, former President Donald Trump. Okay, so so what do I do there? It's like, what I, what I do is I, hang on, um, what I do there is um, I set up, set up what's driving this, right? And, and it's, it's, it's the weaponization of our justice system by the Democrats, which is something we've never seen in, in over 200 years of our, the history of our republic. This is, this is a new thing, folks. And then the second thing that is really pushing our buttons here is this whole idea of how the Democrats, I called this back in the days of my Navarro report, the, the grand stuff the ballot box strategy, um, where we've had uh, a system uh, that changed radically after the 1980s, which now um, allow uh, essentially a flood of potentially illegal ballots to get into the stream and pollute it. So um, let me let me read on now and explain. So I've, I laid out the predicate. I've, I've I've set the argument. Now let me flesh it out. So here's the first part of it: the election integrity teleprompter. Let's uh, we're going to roll this now. For more than 200 years, Americans lived in a world of paper ballots, with strict ID and signature match procedures where only legal votes counted. Today, through bends in the law and sleight of hand by Democratic secretaries of state, Democrats have created a stuff-the-ballot-box world where, get this list, absentee and mail-in voting, universal voting, automatic voter registration, drop boxes, ballot harvesting, and relaxed signature match procedures have blown open the doors to fraud. Okay, let's stop there for a second. So, so basically, you could write a book on that paragraph. Uh, about the, the the decline and fall of America's election system, but it all boils down to what you and I and the posse all clearly understand. The Democrats have figured out a way to strategically game the system in a way which legally allows illegal votes to get in to the voter stream and thereby skew elections. And And... It's interesting to me that that when I get like comments on the Substack, for example, a lot of that is focused on um, this this oh they stole it. I mean that that is like 
That is like the, the core belief now. All right, let me keep going here uh, with the teleprompter. Okay, here's the next part. The Democrats' persecution and prosecutions of Mr. Trump, teleprompter, you got to roll this, baby, Parker, are equally toxic to our democracy. Never did I, here's the thing, never did I imagine in January 2017 when I entered the White House to serve my country that virtually everyone I would share a foxhole with, along with the president himself, would be assaulted with indictment after indictment and subpoena after subpoena, not just by the Department of Justice, but also by big city prosecutors and blue state attorneys general. Okay, now think about that. Let's stop there for a second. <laughs> everybody, everybody that I came into the White House with that was of any consequence loyal to President Trump has either been indicted for something and or subpoenaed grand jury, select committee, Georgia, Arizona, whatever. It's like this has never happened in the history of, of the Republic. Think about it. Everybody in a White House winds up under indictment or subpoena by the opposition party. Now, why is that? All right, let's start the teleprompter again. Here's what I write next. The Democrats' lawfare goal is to convict Mr. Trump of anything that will prevent him from running for president or serving if he wins. A little historical reference here. As Stalin's, Stalin's deputy premier, Beria, once boasted, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Meaning, yeah, I can, we can convict anything. Barring such a conviction, President Biden's hitmen with names like Merrick Garland and Jack Smith hope to bury Mr. Trump in enough mud to sour the electorate on him. This withering, here's the thing, this withering assault on my former boss constitutes unlawful election interference at best and seditious conspiracy at worst. Okay, hold it right there. Now, think about this, right? It's like they're trying to stop Trump from getting back into the White House any way they can, okay? Now, that's election interference. In my mind, it's also seditious conspiracy. All right, when we get back, um, we'll continue with this, and then uh, we'll finish up with this and move on to the obituary of Mike Pence's political career. Peter K. Navarro, in for Stephen K. Bannon. We'll be right back. <clears throat> We are days away from the Durban Accords, the greatest threat to the United States dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are expected to announce the launch of a new international supercurrency fully backed by gold or other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the United States and the dollar as the cornerstones of the global financial system. How can you protect your IRA or 401k from the fallout from this landmark announcement? Diversify with gold from Birch Gold Group. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty, which is right now. Get a free info kit on gold IRAs and decide for yourself if a tax-sheltered retirement account backed by physical precious metals is right for you. 
text the word Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. This is a monumental shift happening among nations that control one-third of the world's GDP. And it kicks off on August 22nd. Arm yourself with information to protect your retirement savings. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-L-O-N, to the number 989898 and claim your free information kit from Birch Gold. Your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Hey, Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. You are in the war room. Uh, what I uh, what I've been doing in the in the A block is um, deconstructing an op-ed I wrote uh, in my Substack, PeterNavarro.substack.com. That's in the Washington Times, and it deals with I think uh, um, arguably the most important topic facing this nation now politically. Now this prospect of of a second civil war brought about by uh, a combination of the loss of election integrity and the weaponization of our justice system. So what I've been doing is reading through the op-ed and giving you some perspective on on how these things get written, you know, like law, sausages, and op-eds. It, it, this was, it's actually kind of interesting. So I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to continue doing this, and then we're going to flip over as quickly as we can over the Pence situation. Okay, so... Um, let me just read here now, uh, folks. In the case of Mr. Trump's advisors and closest aides, some are being pressured with threats of prison to turn on Mr. Trump. That's a common DOJ game. Some are facing threats that are lively, and this is disgusting. John Eastman, Rudy Giuliani, Jeff Koch all face disbarment, and they're facing this by Democrat-controlled bar association. This kind of stuff is just, I mean, it's just beyond the pale. So um, I don't know where the rest of this thing is, Parker. See if you can find it. Uh, but let me just sum this up, and then we're going to, Denver, we're going to go uh, to the Pence situation. Um, so um, what we have here, I think, is a situation that, that both the left, particularly the left, needs to talk about. Um, less hysterically and more analytically. There's a problem here, Houston, in the American electorate that's showing up in the polls that people are very concerned about um, the health and longevity of this republic, okay? Um, all right, let's move on now. Uh, we'll come back to the, the rest of the op-ed maybe, but let, let's. I want to get to this Mike Pence thing and what... The way I want to set the stage here is um, the, I'm going to play you a, a set of three clips with a little commentary uh, from one of the people who was one of the aides to Pence. Um, you, there's that saying that the fish rots from the head up. But what's interesting to me about Mike Pence, who I actually... I felt I just really liked him when I was in the White House. We got along. Things were good. Um, and it was only because his staff would continue to try to get in the way of that relationship where things began to go south, not just between him and me, but between him and the president and, and ultimately, which led to the stab in the back. But in, in Pence's case, the fish rots um, from from the body up to the head. OK, the Pence's problem 
is that the people he surrounds him well, particularly his chief of staff, Mark Short, uh, and he, he, the lawyer he had, the White House's guy named Greg Jacob, they're just toxic rhino, coke network, globalist, just amoral, worst kind of people you'd ever want to meet and not very competent either. Um, so, uh, Denver, if you can, uh, let's play... <laughs> Let's play the, the flattering portrayal of Peter Navarro uh, in clip 4B to start this off here. And look, Peter Navarro, I just want to say, was considered a complete lunatic in the West Wing of the White House. I had strict orders to keep him out of the vice president's office because he would write these conspiracy field memos that he wanted to deliver to Vice President Mike Pence at the time. And I was specifically ordered by the Vice President's Chief of Staff to take those memos out of his hand and make sure that he never stepped foot in the office. That's the kind of individual that we're... Okay, here's what's interesting. The the first part of this clip, right? Uh, This is Olivia Troy. Um, She was one of these pearl clutchers who early on uh, during Trump's impeachment uh, began to whine, moan uh, about the president um, in the worst possible way. She had no business being in the Trump White House. Pence had no business hiring her. Um, She would have been a great, I don't know, executive assistant to Jeb Bush if Bush had been elected. But she had no place in the White House, and and she did, did a lot of damage. But what she specifically said in that clip is that I was banned from the vice president's office by the chief of staff, not by Vice President Pence, but by the chief of staff. And that's true, I, because the vice president would, on numerous occasions, ask me to come see him, and I'd try to do that, and for some reason, which I didn't quite understand at the time, never could get in. Okay, now I understand it. But, but what she says to the reporter, that it was Mark Short, not the vice president, but Mark Short, who ordered the fact that I couldn't get in to see Mike. Okay, now play the next clip, 4C, and you'll see how the 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 anchor um, misinterprets, in, a, in a, I think, a, a, in a malicious way, what this woman said, because she then uh, jumps to saying that it was really Pence that kept me out, which is counterfactual. So listen to this clip carefully. This is how TV gets gets so screwed up right now. Say more, though. Say more about that. Because, I mean, the reality is he was helping to write the planning for how Donald Trump would stay in office. So you're saying the vice president wanted him completely kept out. How much influence did he have on the Trump side of that? Yeah, see, it's like, okay, it was the chief of staff, Mark Short. And this is what you worry about. You know, personnel is policy. This is what you worry about in any organization. If you have gatekeepers like Mike Pence did, who have a very different agenda from what Mike Pence otherwise would have had in serving Donald Trump, that's a big problem. And that's the problem you had with this guy, Mark Short. He came out of the Koch network. For those of you who don't know about the Koch network, it's the, the Koch brothers were, were, were for many years and still are through their Koch network, one of the biggest funders of the rhino, globalist, Wall Street, ship our jobs offshore, open our borders, wing of the traditional Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Republican Party. And Short got in there, and I I was like, I was shocked 
that he got in there to begin with. Uh, but he showed up in 2017, pushed Rick Dearborn out from running the legislative shop. That's where he started. He didn't start off as Pence's chief of staff. He started off um, as, a, as one of the heads of legislative affairs. And he, he was totally incompetent. It's like it was a train wreck. It's like President Trump wanted to have an agenda where we tackled the border and we tackled trade and we tackled some things. And Short and Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House then, conspired together to completely derail that. They took on Obamacare under the promise they could take it down, and that was a train wreck. Um, and that was all about Short. He eventually got fired for incompetence by Trump. It's like, get that guy out of here. Now, <laughs> that was one of the best days of my life in the White House because this guy was a pill. He was constantly meddling in things um, and, and interfering with the Trump agenda. Hey, memo to Mark. It's like he got elected, not you, okay? And I was serving him to further Trump's agenda, not yours. There's nothing crazy about that. That's the way politics is supposed to work, okay? But the, one of the worst days of my life in the White House was when <laughs> Short gets hired back by Mike Pence as chief of staff. And we went from a situation where Nick Ayers, who was smart, funny, open, and, and just a great guy as the chief of staff for Mike Pence to, to Captain Queeg there. And it's like a, a dark cloud descended over Mike Pence. And it was like we never heard from him again. And... Um, Mark Short would screw up just everything about during the pandemic because Pence was in charge of the task force. Short was the guy who actually was running it. Um, we know how that came out. But the point, the point really is that that's where Mike Pence's dream died of ever being president. I mean, he'd, he'd be vice president to Trump right now if he had simply done what his duty and the Constitution and his loyalty to Commander-in-Chief Donald Trump had done, which was on Jan 6th, given us a legal count of the votes. That's all he had to do. But the backstory there, and this is the toxicity of Mark Short and his buddy Greg Jacob, these were the guys who got him the, the legal memo, the flawed legal memo that basically turned Pence against President Trump. And the, the reason why Mike ultimately should never be anything other than some corporate lobbying clown like he's destined to be um, is that he had an obligation. He had an obligation before he went to the well of the Senate and stuck a knife in the back of Donald Trump to share his legal memo and analysis and thoughts with his commander-in-chief. As vice president, he had the duty to do that. He did not do that. And that was treason, in my view, Mike. Treason, my friend. You, you broke faith with your president. You broke faith with this country. You were supposed to talk to POTUS. You don't, you don't do what you did. There's process in a White House. You violated, sir. And that's why... You're going down as a presidential candidate, 
and you're going down because Mark Short and people like Olivia Troy and Greg Japer also dragged you down. Peter Navarro will be right back. Stay here in the war room. We're going to move next to this uh, very sensitive issue uh, of what happened to uh, LeBron James's son last week and what it might mean or not mean. Be right back. Spread the word all through Hong Kong. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand, And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Peter K. Navarro in for the Admiral Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, what, what I want to do now is turn to um, a very serious issue related to the vaccine. Um, and I, I want to um, set this up with, with a little history and then play you some clips and then come back and, and talk uh, about an issue I think that, that we need to be more candid with with the American people from, from certainly the Biden administration's uh, perspective and, and our health bureaucracies. Uh, will that happen? No, of course not. Will that happen at CNN, MSNBC? Of course not. But at least, um, at least I want to give you some food for thought. So the, the backstory here is um, in the sports world, uh, during the, the height of the pandemic, there was tremendous pressure on professional athletes to take the vaccine. And um, two people particularly stood out uh, for refusing to do so uh, because of fear uh, that it could damage their heart or otherwise harm them. Um, because it was already well understood by that time that there was an increased risk in young men uh, of uh, myocarditis, inflammation of the heart, 
um, that could end a professional career. Um, and on the female side, of course, uh, there was heightened awareness of, of issues related to um, menstruation and the reproductive cycle. But but two two people in particular just got just got eviscerated for refusing to take the vaccine. One was Kyrie Irving, basketball player who played for the Nets. Um, you know, and he, um, if you listen to his statements, um, they were thoughtful. And um, they were never interpreted as such. And then, of course, on the football side, you had Aaron Rodgers, who I, I think the, the, the sin that he committed there uh, was not acting in full transparency like Kyrie Irving. He kind of kind of danced around it. He he said rightly that he had been immunized because he had had the virus, uh, and that's what happens when you have the virus. So the point is that that for the sake of the almighty dollar, professional athletes in particular were pressured enormously to get the vaccine. So. What's happening now is, is there seems to be finally um, a break in, in kind of the monolith on, on the left in terms of what the thinking. This latest incident with LeBron James's son uh, has, has begun to filter into the left-wing woke media for them to begin to ask some interesting questions. Um, just... For the record, I'm no fan of LeBron James. Um, I think his behavior has been nothing short of despicable when it comes to, on the one hand, chastising Donald Trump and MAGA um, in this country uh, for our patriotism, love of God and family, uh, desire for secure borders, things like that. I mean, let's face it, LeBron has not been kind uh, to uh, posse world here. Um, but the biggest problem I have is, is the hypocrisy of even as he's criticizing Trump, he's telling people to be quiet about the NBA over in communist China. You know, LeBron couldn't give a rat's you-know-what about the slave labor camps in Xinjiang province, the crushing of Hong Kong, the suppression of Christians, the, the digital prisons uh, that communist Chinese live in, the, the, <laughs> the, the um, sudden death of tycoons. I mean, it's like, no, it's like LeBron is taking Laura Ingram's advice, ironically, to shut up and dribble when it comes to communist China, okay? He's very outspoken against the Trump world. Having said that, it's like my heart goes out to him and his family and his son. I mean, the man has lived effectively a charmed life. I mean, he's the chosen one, the king. That's what they call him. Um, he's, his, his big dream now is to play um, like uh, the Griffey Jr. and Sr., uh, on the same team as his son, who, who entered USC, University of Southern California, playing basketball there. And we hear this week uh, that Bronny James um, was taken to the hospital with sudden cardiac arrest. We don't know 
at this point, whether it's going to end his career, we don't know at this point what caused it, but it has raised questions. So let Denver, let's, um, let's play this clip now. But before you do that, the, the last thing I want to say, the, the, there's going to be four people come in, the, you know, the three righteous brothers here. Um, it's um, James Harden, LeBron James, and Charles Barkley kind of up on their pulpits talking about how important it is to get the vaccine. And then uh, a guy from my, my favorite sports show, uh, albeit woke that it is, uh, around the horn, um, Izzy Gutierrez, uh, finally, and I was surprised that he would go there, finally asking the question that's been on the minds of, of uh, everybody here in Magaland for over a year or more. Uh, so Denver, play that clip for me. I'm kind of hope that in some kind of fashion, we'll see Kai play in the yeah, I'm going to give him a shot if I got to. But after doing my research and things of that nature, I felt like it was best suited for not only me, but for my family and for my friends. First of all, you don't get the vaccine for yourself. You get it for other people. No, I'm not saying. Hold on. Saying. I want, you said your piece. No, I'm sorry. I, I didn't say you do. I, I got vaccinated. I can't wait to get the booster. I don't. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself. Like Adam said, you get vaccinated for your family first to question. And the other thing that I think of is the situations and, and similar situations that have happened in this sport and other sports uh, with with men or young men falling to to cardiac arrest at some point. And just makes you wonder, you know, what's going on there? Is this a trend medically we're going to find out about? Yeah, it makes you wonder. Um, I mean, think about this, the, the narrative there, which is a banned word, by the way, on Around the Horn, and I'd get points off for, for even using it. But, but you can see that the narrative there, um, with, particularly with LeBron James uh, and Charles Barkley, is that, that you take the vaccine not just for you, but for your family and other people, your family, right? And if it turns out that somehow the vaccine had something to do with what happened to Bronny, um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's not just ironic. It's an indictment of, first of all, Pfizer, Moderna, and the big pharma companies that have hid so much data from us as, as Naomi Wolf has documented um, at length. And so... I just, I mean, let's just, let's just think through this for a minute, okay? The, the problem we're going to have with the Bronny James situation as a data point, and this is a good problem to have, is that you can't medically tell from an individual point of view, barring an uh, or autopsy, if, in fact, the vaccine somehow damaged that heart, okay? They, they won't be able to tell that. If, if he had died and there was an autopsy, you could have, possibly. Thank God that didn't happen. But, but we have a situation where, where these the single cases where these things happen, um, you can't prove it was the vaccine. But what you have, and this is where the great Doc Malone comes in and, and Harvey Reich and, uh, and, and, and Naomi Wolf's database and Ed Dowd and all the people you've seen on the war room. What we know now, 
and this is, this is unequivocal, okay, is that there's clear in the, in the aggregate, when you aggregate all of the data, when you aggregate all of the data, you have this measure called excess deaths, okay? These are, these are deaths that, that aren't explained based on prior history. And what we know now is when you look at that data and you look at the incidents that have happened, we know that these excess deaths are highly correlated with the advent of the vaccines and the boosters. Highly correlated. We don't know, we can't say with certainty that they're caused. There needs to be more research on that. But there's no question at this point. There's absolutely no question at this point that the vaccine has introduced into our world, introduced into our lives, introduced into the bodies of whoever took the vaccine and the many boosters and thereby enriched Pfizer and validated the, the poison that Fauci would spout. There's no question that these vaccines, it's not even a mixed blessing, that on net severe negative. I mean, that much is clear. I mean, if we knew now what we if we knew then what we knew now, we would have went with the Swedish approach um, of herd immunity. And Doc Malone, it's like the first time I met Doc Malone was on the set of the war room. I was guest hosting for Steve. And we had this very interesting talk that led to Doc and I publishing a number of articles about the vaccine um, in the Washington Times. And what we said at the time uh, has turned out really to be true. We had a non-durable, leaky vaccine that catalyzed mutations of the virus uh, that would that would lead to uh, the development of all sorts of unexpected phenomenon. And and we know now that this myocarditis in young, healthy males particularly male athletes, has created incidents now, excess incidents over and above what you would otherwise expect. So let me, let me just say to the around the horn folks, Tony Reale, the host, good for you for, for allowing that discussion to actually take place because this is a woke world and you gotta, you know, you gotta tiptoe around all this stuff and it's not kind of a popular topic. But I would encourage folks um, to have more on that. And if around the horn over the next couple of weeks as the women's soccer team vies for the World Cup would also raise the question of why uh, the women are refusing to honor our national anthem uh, and have a sober discussion about that, even as they seek to represent us, uh, that, that would be uh, even better progress. I'm tired of living in a woke world. Uh, I think a lot of you folks watching The War Room are. Um, let's pray for Bronnie James. Uh, let's also pray for transparency. Peter Navarro will be right back with the big finish. Spread the word all through Hong Kong. We will fight till they're all gone.
Why are so many people buying emergency food right now? As tensions continue to escalate, our fragile food supply chain will break again. One shocking headline spreads panic like wildfire, and grocery stores are empty within hours. That means you really need a proper supply of emergency food on hand before, not after, before disaster strikes. You'll breathe easier knowing you can feed your family in any crisis. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com for your one-week emergency food supply. That's MyPatriot.com for your one-week emergency food supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest preparedness company with millions of happy, worry-free customers. It comes in a nifty ammo can that's loaded with delicious food. There's no skimping with these meals, offering over 2,000 calories per day. Don't skip the special $30 savings available this week only on the one-week emergency food supply. This week only, 30 bucks off. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Action, action, action. Use your agency. Take advantage of this special. A choice between two worlds. Will you take the blue pill and continue living in a world where a corrupt few control everything? Or will you take the red pill and join us? What the elites don't want you to know is that there are 200,000 open committee man seats in the Republican Party. These party members are the ones who determine the future of the GOP. Let's take our country back, one precinct at a time. Visit precinctstrategy.com now. Hey, Peter K. Navarro in for the big finish, sitting in for the Admiral Stephen K. Bannon. Be sure to stay uh, stay here for the uh, the six o'clock show Eastern Time um, as well. Uh, what I want to do. Um, is finish up um, where we started, which is I want to work through the rest of this op-ed I did, peternavar.substack.com and in the Washington Times. It, the topic is, is the issue of whether uh, a second civil war uh, is pending. Uh, but before that, I, I just want a little, little breaking news I got from, uh, from um, one of my favorite folks in the world offset here uh, that... Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., interestingly enough, has been denied Secret Service protection, despite the fact that he's polling in the Democrat primary well ahead of Ron DeSantis and, and others against Trump in the Republican primary, despite the fact that his own father got assassinated, despite the fact that the despicable guy known as Jack Smith, who's the guy persecuting Donald Trump, has already spent $2 million for him and his family on Secret Service protection. Never mind, RFK ain't getting that. So uh, that's the way uh, the Democrats eat their own, I guess. All right, so what I'm going to do now is go back to uh, finishing off this op-ed. Uh, we started with um, the thesis, which is, the polling says half of Republicans, a third of Democrats, think there might be another civil war, and that it's caused, in my judgment, both by uh, the rise of election fraud and loss of election integrity, coupled with the weaponization of our Department of Injustice. And so um, here's where we left off. I'm going to keep reading here the op-ed and give you some commentary. So here's the point. 
Um, and no, I go some, some, all. Okay, check this out. Here we go, Parker. In the case of Mr. Trump's advisors and closest aides, some are being pressured with threats of prison to turn on Mr. Trump. Classic DOJ tactic. Some are facing threats to their livelihood. You got John Eastman, Rudy Giuliani, and Jeff Clark all facing disbarment. And guess what? Who's going to do that? Democrat-controlled bar associations. Disgusting. And all of us are being buried in massive legal fees. With it. Here's the thing. This burden is cynically designed to silence us in the public arena and siphon money from Republican donors that might otherwise be spent on winning back Congress in the White House. Classic lawfare. Meanwhile, to put an exclamation point on this unprecedented use of America's now dual system of injustice, here, check this little phrase out, the gun-toting, foreign-influence-peddling Hunter Biden, along with a long list of Democrats involved in the Russia hoax and other efforts to overthrow the Trump presidency, remain free of legal scrutiny. Okay, hang on right there, Tarker. So, so what I've done there is like, look, it's like it's not only we're outraged at the fact that they're coming after every Trump person, lawfare tactics, burdening us with, with, with massive legal expenses, and, and, and all of that stuff. Um, I, it, it's also that they're in their face about um, this whole issue. And so, um, <laughs> this, this is great. Parker, you're killing me. <laughs> Wait, here we go. Okay, here we go. There we go. Teleprompter time. Okay, I want to get to the big finish here. This is fun. This is t live TV. It's all good. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Of course, none of this unprecedented political violence is really about Mr. Trump or his advisors. As Mr. Trump himself has rightly said, the Democrats are really coming for you. We Trump folks are just in the way. And when I say you, here's like what's really the most important thing about this. And it's not about me and Trump or is Trump advised. When I say you, I mean that broad swath of America that still believes in God, country, family, and constitutional principles like freedom of speech and association, the right to bear arms and own property, secure borders, and equal justice under the law. It is between you in this middle America majority, the most radical elements of an increasingly socialist Democrat party that a civil war is most likely to break out. And so, you know, I end with just, look, the admonition to the Democrats. Think about what the hell you're doing. Will you think about what the hell you're doing? Do you think that you can keep coming after Republicans and when we take back power from your cold, woke hands, that turnabout's not going to be fair play? That's not the world I want to live in. I want to live in a world where government, government serves the American people Rising wages, secure jobs, secure borders, end to endless wars, peace, prosperity, stability, fiscal responsibility, a legal system that you can count on not to persecute you, but to prosecute the bad guys. Wow, what a dream, okay? That's not what we have here. That's not what we have here, Democrats, and you're doing it. Wiser, not younger, but wiser, not older, wiser people in the Democrat Party 
need to have some discussion about this, okay? You're getting way carried away, way carried away, and this will not end badly. This won't end well for this country. That's what I care about. This country. Will you start caring about this country, Jake Tapper, instead of doing your BS on CNN? Yeah, well, I can hope. I don't think so. All right. Um, that's it for this edition of Steve Bannon's War Room. Do me a favor. Um, check out my Substack, peternavarro.substack.com, peternavarro.substack.com. Uh, I'm hitting it hard each week with... Uh, Communist China, all things Trump, the economy. And I started uh, serializing some of my books on there. I could use your support. Peter Navarro at Substack.com. Admiral, thanks for letting me uh, take the big chair here for the day. Um, and I will see you the next time the Admiral needs to uh, play a little uh, golf or tennis or uh, more likely grapple with the bad guys. Peter Navarro out. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the sea. Veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. 
You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.